This is Women Out Loud, a podcast about women who are demanding rights, resources, and results, brought to you by MADRE, an international women's human rights organization. Hi, my name is Diana Duarte. I'm Madre's communications director, and I want to welcome you, our listeners, to our first ever episode of Women Out Loud, the Madre podcast. I want to invite you to share your thoughts and your questions as you're listening today via the email address womenoutloud at madre.org or by using the hashtag womenoutloud. And I'm joined today by Ifat Suskin, Madre executive director. Hello, Ifat. Hi, Diana. So Ifat, what are you hoping that people will get out of this podcast, Women Out Loud? Well, really a chance to connect to the incredible women that we here at Madre have the privilege of working with every day. And I'm talking about the women of our partner organizations in Latin America and Africa, in the Middle East. These are women's rights activists who are really on the front lines of, you know, some of the worst global crises that we read about, we hear about, we think about all the time. Um, and sometimes it's hard to think about those crises because they're so terrible, frankly, right? You know, I think there's one of the things we know from being able to work directly with activists who are on the ground in those countries is the difference between what we see about women in the media, let's say in Syria and Iraq right now, living under the really br- brutal jihadist group ISIS, the difference between what we see in the media about women under ISIS and what we know to be true from having the the in- incredible fortune of working directly with, with women in, in Syria and Iraq right now. And that holds true for the women we work with in Kenya, in Sudan, in Nicaragua, in Colombia, Guatemala, wherever we're working. We know that women, while we hear so much about the ways that they are victimized, we know that those women are not victims. They are suffering terrible abuse, but they are survivors in every sense of that word. And it's, it's an inspiration to get to see firsthand the work that they're doing. And I'm really excited about Women Out Loud because I feel like it's going to give all of our listeners a chance to also connect to the incredible bravery and joy and courage and, and just sheer determination that we see all the time from women activists in living in terrible situations and totally determined to create change in those situations. That really is what we all need. This is really such an important moment for us to be inviting listeners in on this conversation between women defending rights worldwide. And, you know, we've been talking about how here at Mandre, we've already hit the ground running in just these first few months of 2015. Can you share, thought some of what's been happening? Yeah, it's, it's been quite a whirlwind just in these first few months of the year. We've been working very intensively with uh, women's rights activists that we support in Colombia, in Syria, in Iraq. And you're going to have a chance to hear from Cassandra Atlas, who has been working with our partner organization in Iraq. And one of the really remarkable things, I think, listening to Cassandra is you really understand that 
despite what we might think from media reports, there is an incredible amount of organizing happening by women, even in the territories that are totally occupied and besieged by ISIS. And I think we all recognize, um, you know, the, the, the risk, the brutality, the danger to people living in those communities that ISIS is controlling. You know, anyone who steps out of line is really at risk. And so there's an assumption that, you know, people are just completely cowed and that there's no way to offer any kind of resistance or organizing. But actually, what's incredible about the work of the Iraqi women's organizations is that they are doing unbelievable organizing and protecting families and communities. They're really, in a lot of ways, the front line of defense for communities under siege by ISIS. And I'm excited to share that work with you. You're also going to hear from Elizabeth Drogidis, who, um, a Madre staffer who just recently came back from the community of our partner organization in Colombia, in Bogota, in the community of Usme. And she has some incredible stories to share from a women's organization that is really transforming the lives of children who have been conscripted into armed conflict in Colombia, of women and families who've been displaced by the war there, a war that not everybody in the United States even knows is happening. And before we get to that, uh, you and I had been talking about a recent opportunity that you had to meet with Syrian women who are living under ISIS. What are some of the thoughts that come to mind when you when you remember that? Well, you know, what stands out for me is the same thing that I mentioned about the women who we know who are organizing in Iraq, which is the phenomenal bravery and resilience of Syrian women who are organizing in the ISIS-controlled territories, you know, providing everything from reproductive health care to humanitarian aid, food security, doing trainings with other women about how to stay safe under ISIS and how to continue clandestinely organizing to, to provide protection for women and girls who, who have escaped sexual slavery, which is part of the, the systematic abuse that ISIS is committing in the territories that it controls. They really are providing a whole, a whole range of services out of sheer necessity. You know, this isn't even their, their professional training or anything. They really are mobilizing under war conditions, using the social networks that women are so good at building to, to provide these services that are incredibly needed right now. In a lot of ways, they're doing the work that really is the the purview of the international community, you know, providing humanitarian aid, negotiating prisoner exchanges, uh, you know, brokering local ceasefires, creating early warning systems for communities where the war hasn't quite reached yet, but that they're in, but letting people know when they're in danger. There's a whole range of really incredible work that women are doing, and when we met with the Syrian women activists, you know, it really came across not just their courage in doing this work, but also how incredible it is that they have maintained a sense of hopefulness about their lives and their future and what Syria can be as a country, despite the war that's been raging around them. Thank you, Ifat, for sharing that. And you and I will be talking again at the end of the podcast. But now let's hear more from our colleague Cassandra about how women in Iraq are surviving under the extremist militants known as the Islamic State or ISIS. Uh, You'll be hearing her talk about the city of Mosul, the main city in northern Iraq to be taken over by ISIS. (laughs) 
Hi, I'm Cassandra Atlas. I'm the Assistant Director of Human Rights Advocacy here at Madre. And today I'm going to be talking to you about our partner organization, the Organization of Women's Freedom in Iraq, otherwise known as OFI. We feel safe and secured, and we can again study and review our lessons. Now we can sleep at night, at last. This is a quote from a child in Iraq who managed to escape ISIS violence and find safe haven and support from OFI in one of its many shelters. Uh, I recently returned from a training with OFI in Istanbul, Turkey, and I had the opportunity to hear from them firsthand about the ways that they are responding to the crisis of ISIS violence in Iraq and to the continuum of violence against women and other marginalized and at-risk communities. I was, to say the least, amazed by the bravery that they are exhibiting on a daily basis, literally putting their own lives at risk in order to help people who are trapped in ISIS-controlled areas. Among the many stories that they were able to share with me was um, stories about how they are mobilizing against the greatest odds to find their way into ISIS-controlled areas to help people, to bring them back to safe locations where they can provide them with direct services like psychosocial support and shelter and emergency medical care. So I think it's important to understand the context that OFI is operating in and the current context in ISIS-controlled areas in which freedom of movement has become extremely restricted. And to respond to that and to be able to reach people in need, OFI has had to be both courageous and creative in how they get to people. One of the ways in which they've been able to reach people that they were able to share with me is that they are literally piling into cars. Members of the organization are piling into cars to assemble themselves to look like families. Because if you travel through an ISIS checkpoint as a family, it's less likely that you're going to be harassed and face serious scrutiny and that you're going to be able to move through that checkpoint. It really signaled to me First of all, the strength of the organization in terms of their understanding of the context and how they've thought to maneuver through it. It also showed us that OFI has a real strength in the alliances that it's been able to make um, with men and with having male members of the organization because a car full of women is also less likely to get through a checkpoint easily than a car that looks like a family that has a male as the head of household sitting in the driver's seat. And so OFI shared with me the fact that they have been able to reach ISIS-controlled areas by assembling themselves with several family members in the car, including a husband, a wife, possibly a sister, and even bringing their own children into the car to really round out the family unit and make it seem legitimate. OFI's creativity and their resourcefulness has also been really evident in how they've strategically used social media to conduct outreach to people in ISIS-controlled territory. During the training, they told us about how they have used Facebook in particular to reach out to women at risk in Mosul of, um, of being raped, sexually abused, and sold into sexual slavery. These are just two examples of the incredible work that OFI is doing to respond to the crisis in Iraq right now. I have to say that working with them has been such a humbling and and an inspiring experience. And I am really, really proud to be a part of Madre and a partner of OFI and to support them in everything they do.
As our colleague Cassandra just shared, women's activism is saving lives in Iraq. And in Colombia, women are offering a new life to former child soldiers and young survivors of sexual violence. Our colleague Elizabeth has more. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Drogitas, and I am the Membership and Public Education Manager here at Madre. Before I got here, I was a girl who didn't know who I was. No one valued me. But then I came here and learned many things. I learned to value myself. Now I know who I am. These words were spoken to me on a recent trip to Colombia by a young 13-year-old girl. She lives in a shelter for survivors of sexual violence in the city of Pereira, and she's a beneficiary of Tayer de Vida's programs, Madre's partner organization in Colombia. Tayer de Vida works with women and girls who have been forcibly displaced by the ongoing violence in Colombia, as well as with former girl-child soldiers, many of whom have suffered sexual violence. They offer psychosocial support, such as art therapy, music, dance, and other forms of creative expression as a means to heal from the traumas that they've endured. When I was in Colombia at the beginning of February, I spoke with many other girls like the one from the quote you just heard, who are benefiting from Tayer de Vida's programs. To see Stella, the director of Tayer de Vida, and her staff in action is beyond inspiring. They're not only helping these girls to rebuild from the violence that they've experienced, but they're giving them the skills to reclaim their lives and reconstruct their futures into ones of peace. Stella uh, has years of experience working with survivors of sexual violence. In a conversation with her um, in the Usme Center, which is outside of Bogota, she spoke about how she's able to identify when young girls have suffered sexual violence. She says she can identify them by the way that they talk, by the way that they move, by the way that when they speak it's in a low voice and without any eye contact. She said that you can see the fear and that these are all indicators that a girl has suffered from sexual violence. When she's able to identify this, she then works with the girls through a series of art therapy exercises to get them to be able to express and heal from what they experienced. It starts first with drawing, then they move on to photography where they take self-portraits, and then from there they move on to writing. And little by little, these girls and young women are able to build the strength and the courage to speak about what's happened to them. And that Stella identified as the moment where the healing for these girls starts and their pain is transformed. The success of this process was clear when I had the opportunity to speak with some of these girls. You could see that they were already on their way to healing. And in our conversations with them, they all expressed a strong desire to continue rebuilding their lives. They talked about how they wanted to value themselves, how they wanted to finish school, how they wanted to find jobs, how they wanted to become a stronger person and to help other girls who had suffered the same fate that they had. It was truly inspiring to see the work that Tyre DeVita is doing with these girls and to see the way that these girls really are starting to heal from the trauma that they've endured. And not only that, how they themselves are then inspired to help other girls in the same situation. One great example of a girl who was doing just that is a young woman named Luna who we met at the Usme Center of Tayer de Vida. She herself is from Pereira and at eight years old was abandoned by her mother and living on the streets. It was at this 
point in her life when she was approached by the paramilitaries, given the option to join them for protection or starve. She felt that she had no choice but to join the paramilitaries, and so did. And she said that this is when she suffered her first experience of sexual violence. She was able to extricate herself from the paramilitaries, um, and she found her way to the girls' shelter in Pereira. She lived at the girls' shelter from 8 years old to 19 years old. It was when she was living at this shelter that she was introduced to Tyre de Vida and the work that they are doing. She went through the process with Tyre de Vida and with Stella, the drawing, the photography, and the writing that led her to a place where she was comfortable and courageous enough to talk about the violence that she had endured. And now she lives in Bogota and volunteers as a theater director with Tyre de Vida. Not only that, she's speaking out for the rights of former child soldiers and girls who have suffered from sexual violence. On February 12th, Red Hand Day, also known as the International Day to Stop the Use of Child Soldiers, Luna gave the opening remarks at an event that was organized by Tyre de Vida, demanding an end to the use of child soldiers in conflict. Through her work with Tyre de Vida, Luna is helping young girls who are at risk of falling into the same cycle as her own. She's fighting to break it. It was inspiring to meet Luna and to see a young woman who has gone through Tyre de Vida's process from start to finish and who really has transformed her life from one of violence to one of peace. again. This is Diana Duarte, uh, Madre Communications Director, and I'm joined again by Ifat Suskin, our Executive Director. You've just heard stories from women from Syria, from Iraq, and Colombia, and Ifat, I wanted to ask you, what struck you as the commonalities in these stories? I think all of these are, you know, women who know firsthand what war does to a community and who know what's required to protect the most vulnerable people during a war. You know, we heard stories of, of transformation, really, of women who may have been traumatized by abuse, but who remade themselves as really powerful human rights activists. And these are the stories that we're inspired by every day in this work. I would say, too, that all of the women that, we're, that we heard about are organizing to confront one of the most horrific weapons of war, and that is the systematic use of rape and sexual violence uh, in war. We have seen this over and over again, I have to say, in our work at, at Madre, you know, across very different cultures, contexts, geographies, um, the, the way that women and girls are, um, are targeted with sexual violence in war because it is such a destructive weapon. We really want people to understand sexual violence in wartime not as an accident or purely an opportunistic crime, um, but really as a weapon of war. And the women that we're working with are providing urgent care to survivors of wartime rape. They're demanding prosecution, they're demanding accountability, and what's more, they're working to prevent rape as a weapon of war. That's probably the hardest part, is preventing it from happening in the first place. And that's their determination, to make sure that not another woman or girl has to face that horror. 
And this podcast is going to be a place where you can hear the stories of how women are actually accomplishing this in real time right now through the work. And to learn more about our initiative to end rape as a weapon of war, please visit our website at www.madre.org. And once again, we want to hear from you, our listener. Tell us what you thought of this podcast and what you hope to hear more of. Email us at womenoutloud at madre.org or use the hashtag womenoutloud. Thank you, Ifat, and we'll be talking again soon. you for listening to Women Out Loud. Visit madre.org to learn more about how women worldwide are demanding rights, resources, and results, and how you can get involved.